All right, take your Bibles, Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. Looking at this idea of the parables and the parable of the vineyard that Jesus gave. We jumped over this morning from Matthew 21. And where did we go? What did we read? Isaiah 5. Isaiah 5 was that picture of how God described that he had planted a vineyard, he had put a hedge around it, he cleared the stones out. The stones are often used in, in the work too as, as a hedge of protection. And it's very similar to how what God does in our life. When he's cleaning us up uh, to plant things in us, he removes those things out of us, plants a hedge around us, and those things are reminders of what he's done in our life, but he's growing something fruitful and abundant out of it. Now the people begin to, in their corruptions, they had, they had bad seed. God expected good, good grapes to come, but wild grapes came out of it. And as a result, God said that he was going to overthrow the vineyard. He was going to burn it. He was going to overthrow. And the vineyard, he said, was Israel. It was his people. And they began to let foreign seed come in, foreign ideas come in, foreign truths come in, and it produced a bad harvest. And God said he was going to deal with that. And part of it, we see, matter of fact, go back to Isaiah 5. And, and this is, we, we're going to take a few moments to look at how this affected them. These are some evidences or the evidence of this foreign seed and how they responded. This is Isaiah 5. I know you noticed when we was reading through, God gave seven woes to them. And we know that God never does anything accidentally. Everything he does is purposely. And when he gives this woe, he, he, seven of them, he's telling them in that day that, that this was unavoidable of what he was about to do. And he gives light of the fact that we didn't finish reading Isaiah 5, but if you look in verses number 26 through the end of the chapter, what that is is a picture of the enemy who's going to come in without restraint. When the enemy comes in, these foreign armies, they're going to come in with no regard to being overthrown by Israel. They're not, they're not going to come with fear. They're not going to come with intimidation. They're not going to come with hesitation. They are going to come in with such swiftness and with such uh, wrath that nothing is going to hold them back. Why? Because God's removed the hedge. God's removed the protective barrier. Now the enemies around them are not afraid of them. The enemies around them are not intimidated by them. The enemies around them are not intimidated by the God that they serve who has done miraculous things in the past in protecting Israel. He removes all that and the enemy comes in with such a violent force that nothing is going to stop them. And that's how he describes it. Let me just read it to you from there. Verse 26 of Isaiah 5 says, He will lift up a banner to the nations from afar and will whistle to them from the ends of the earth. Surely they shall come with speed, swiftly. No one will be weary and stumble among them. No one will slumber or sleep, nor will the belt of their loins be loosed, nor the strap of their sandals be broken, whose arrows are sharp, 
and all their bows bent. Their horses' hooves seemed like flint and their wheels like the whirlwind. That would be their chariots. Their roaring will be like the roaring of a lion. They will roar like young lions. Yes, they will roar and they will lay hold of the prey. They will carry it away safely and no one will deliver. In that day, they will roar against them like the roaring of the sea. And if one looks to the land, behold, darkness and sorrow and the light is darkened by the clouds. That's simply saying uh, the darkness that comes, the dust that follows them. Man, what a picture. Here was a nation that was sovereignly protected by God who no one would touch only when God was chastening them. And now because of this vineyard who is producing these foreign seed, these bad grapes for which God planted them to produce good grapes, but they let foreign seed come in and they've gone so long in oppression, he gives them these seven woes of judgments coming and he says the enemy is going to come in with unrestraint. Matter of fact, when I whistle to them and rally them up and tell them to come, they're not going to lay waste to nothing they're not going to stop they're not going to sleep they're not going to slumber they have one objective to overthrow jerusalem to overthrow israel and i'm going to let them do it you see israel thought they were untouchable that was the problem didn't matter how they lived how they thought how they acted they didn't believe god would ever let an enemy come in and do anything to them because they were quote unquote the people of god they had the temple of God in their midst. And they had been protected by God for hundreds and hundreds of years. God would never let this happen. But he says, because you begin to turn and call good evil and evil good, and what was light was darkness to you, and what was darkness was light to you, and you begin to oppress the people and mistreat people and you, you look down on people and all that you did, I'm going to bring an enemy in so fierce. And they're going to have so much anger and wrath and judgment and they're not afraid of losing. They have no concept of losing this battle. Why? Because I've taken my hand off of you and I'm going to overthrow. Well, of course, we watched Babylon come in and do it with great force, carry the people away into Babylon for 70 years. Gratefully, God restored, brought back, built the wall, built the temple, and brought in the Messiah for us to walk and live for His glory. Amen? Amen. Isaiah 5.20. He says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put as put out as darkness for light and light as for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That's just saying people are just messed up in the way they view life, in the way they view things. How, what, what is that? How does that happen? Well, Matthew helps us on this. And, and that's why these, these leasing the vine, the vineyard, these vine dressers that had been leasing, remember the parable in, in Matthew 21, he says that there was a landowner, he built a vineyard, put a hedge around it, put a tower in it, and he leased it. And when vintage time came in, the vine dressers wouldn't return any of their commitment, wouldn't give him any of the harvest, wouldn't give him any of the fruit of it. And he sent servants to them to go collect it, but they wounded the servants. They mocked them and they beat them and they killed some of them. And eventually he sent his son 
And these people said, well, if that is the heir, let's go ahead and kill him because if we kill him, then who is going to require this at our hands? And we're going to have all this to ourselves. We're going to do it our way. They kill him. And then the question was, well, what about the owner when he comes? What do you think he will do? Well, the Pharisees that he was talking to said, well, he's going to come with vengeance and he's going to destroy him. And he's going to lease it out to other people. And Jesus said, that, that's exactly right. And then he said, I am the stone that the builders rejected. I am the chief cornerstone that the builders rejected. You've rejected me. I am the stone that everything needs to be attached to. Everything needs to be aligned with. Everything needs to be around. I am that stone. But why did people do that? Why were, were the Jews at this day and that time, why did they take and see darkness as though it was light and see light as if it was darkness? Why did they see the good as an evil thing and the evil thing as a good thing? Because they were corrupt within their nature. They were corrupt from within. And that's what Matthew helps us with. Matter of fact, go look, if you would, in Matthew 6. Look at Matthew 6. Let's just ponder this for a moment. This is why people do what they do, whether it be good or, or evil, whether it be right or wrong, whether it be righteousness or wickedness. The Scriptures help us with these things. They, they show us something. And, and I, I want to share these with you that I think it was going to help you understand. It helps me understand. In Matthew 6, 23, we have here, let's look in verse number 22. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, if you've got a good eye, your whole body will be filled with light, full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And that's something that we got to ponder. I've, I've shared these things with you before. The eye is the point of sight. That's how we see things. But how we visualize things comes from the, the heart, comes from within. And if the heart is dark, if the heart is bad, if it's full of darkness, the eye could only, only see what is, is darkness. And, but what that eye sees, it's light to them, but that light is dark because the heart is dark. God's got to do something to us on the inside. That's why men say uh, evil is good and, and good is evil is because of the condition of their heart. What does Proverbs 4.23 say? Guard your heart. For out of the heart proceeds what? All the issues of life. You see, it's with the heart that we filter things. The eye doesn't filter. The eye is just a window, a portal for the soul to see through. It's the soul of a man, the heart of a man that filters everything that he sees. That's the point of vision comes from within. And if what is within is darkened, the eye can only see things that are dark and it doesn't see things as in true light what it really is. And that's where Jesus helps us. He does something within us so that we can see the way he sees things. And that's seeing things through faith. But if I'm not operating in faith, and if what is in me is dark, 
then the things that I see and the things that I feel and the things I understand are dark. I, I jotted this down. Jesus said a man's light could be dark. And if his light is dark, everything he sees and feels and knows will also be dark. That would mean that his or her love could be dark. That is why we are told that a love that has its origin in God is always a love that is eternal, a love that doesn't fail, a love that suffers long, a love that is patient, a love that is kind. You see, we live in an age, in a time, and it's been like this for many years, no different than in those days. Have you ever heard this saying, love always wins? In our modern day, meaning people in relationships that are contrary to true, authentic, God-designed, biblical relationships as we find in the Word. For an example, we live in a day where homosexuality is a big buzz thing. If you don't support and all out and all for, you're intolerant and you're totally against people and you're the bad person today if you think anything's wrong with homosexuality. The point I want to make in this is this, is that love can be tainted and love can be dark. Why? Because the soul is dark. And that love can be a tainted kind of love. It can be a dark kind of love. Because God's love, let, let's just look. I'm going to read this. I'm going to read about love. Y'all could probably quote some of this with me. Love suffers long, and while it suffers, it is always kind. It is never envious, nor does it command attention or gratitude. Love will not act ugly or demand respect, and it cannot think wrongly or rejoice over wickedness. But it always celebrates and rejoices in the truth. And therefore it can and will bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. Love never fails and it cannot act any other way. We're talking about a love that has its roots in God, its origin in Him. That kind of love suffers long and it does not rejoice in evil. Amen. You see... People that referred to good being evil or evil being good, they rejoiced in the evil and an authentic, enlightened love cannot rejoice in wickedness. It may have an appeal to the natural flesh. But you see, our flesh is dark. Our flesh is ruined. Our flesh is at enmity with the things of God. And if all I lean on is what I have in the flesh and not what God has illuminated to me in His truth, that, that would tell me that the love that I have for someone or the love I have for things or, or something, that love can be tainted. And it can be dark. And this is what Jesus is teaching us. This is why the, these leased out vine dressers treated His servants the way they did. Why they treated Jesus the way they did. Why the Pharisees treated Him the way they did. Because the things that they loved were contrary to the things that God loved. And therefore their love was dark. Their love was tainted. Their love was fallen. So they're, 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 all love is not equal. Come on. All love is not equal. We live in a world that wants to throw a blanket statement that, that just says, if you love someone, you are therefore justified in that. Or if you don't tolerate me, you don't love me. And that's not true, amen. Come on. 
You can love somebody and not rejoice in their lifestyle or what they're doing. Think about with your own kids. Have you ever loved your kids but didn't value what your kids were doing at the time? That's just part of life. So when we evaluate that, we want God to illuminate our soul. We want his light to be in us so that we can see light and we can see light in him. So a society that God was about to deal with and judge, and he did, was a society that loved things that were corrupt, that loved things that were tainted that saw evil as something to be justified and something to be good and something to be praised and something to be elevated. And if you went against them, they were intolerable with you. And they persecuted the prophets who were sent to them to tell them that the vineyard was producing a bad harvest. They didn't want to hear that. They wanted to do what they wanted to do. And they were going to do it their way. So when we think about that, he says in verse 23, If the light that is in you is darkness, how great then is that darkness? We live in a society that's dark. Now we've been sent into it to bring light to it. Amen? Amen. And there's times where we too will cling to dark things. Are you with me? And we want revelation. We want God to speak to us to help us manifest what is right in his eyes. Because we don't want to put our hand on something to say that, that it is good if God has declared it to be wrong. We don't want to put our hand on things that God has condemned, but we justify. We've got to be cautious with that. And that's going to be a matter of how we filter life from within. And we need God's light to do that. Amen? Amen. Uh, turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Look, look at this for a moment. 119 verse 130. I'm a man that needs help from Jesus. Our flesh is going to be drawn toward fleshly things. That's why the spirit and the flesh war with one another. There's going to be a battle there. And we want to yield to the spirit... We want the understanding of the Word of God so that we can walk in His truth. Notice what he says in 130 of Psalm 119. The entrance or the unfolding or the unveiling of your words gives what? Light. It gives understanding to the simple. The entrance or the unfolding or the unveiling of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. And we, we need light in us. We need God's word hidden in us. What does Psalm 105, 119, 105 say? Your word is what? A lamp to my feet and a what? And a light. To my path. God's word, the unfolding of his word to us gives light and it gives understanding to the simple. And I need his word to be a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Uh, what in the first part of Psalm 119, look if you would, go to the first few verses of Psalm 119 and he says, 
in verse number one. Let's just start there. Verse number one. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law, the word of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. That is simply saying those who are leaning on Jesus. What did Bill say this morning? Learning to lean. lean. Learning to lean on Jesus. When the unfolding of his light, of his word is their light, they lean in on him and they walk in with him. The scripture says they simply walk with an undefiled heart. They walk in ways, verse 4, in his ways, verse 4 says, you, can, you have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. And he says, oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Here's the psalmist, David, is saying this, Brandon. He said, your command and where my life is going to be found is through your word, through the light of your word is going to be what's going to give me the ability to walk with you and to walk in your ways. And you command us to keep your statutes. And he says, but I got a problem. My problem doesn't always, my, my life doesn't always want to go to your statutes. I don't always want to seek them. That's what he's saying here. Oh, that, notice again, verse 4, you have commanded, in the command we have power to do this, you have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. And then he reconsiders, oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. What he's got to learn is not to go by his way, but by the Lord's way. My way is not going to line up with the Lord. That's why I have to yield to the Lord's way. When I yield to the Lord's way, then I have authority to actually walk in what God commands me to walk in. I have the authority to walk in what God gives me when, God, when God's at work. And that's what David is saying. My way is not directed to walk in your way. I need you to do something for me. I need you to do something in me. Because I, I'm prone to wonder. And I need you to hedge me. I need your favor upon my life. I need you to keep me in line because if you're not doing it, if you don't do it, if it was left up to me, I'm going to go my own way because that's the way of the flesh. And that way of the flesh is at war with the things of God. But when we yield to the Lord, the Lord does something in us. He works in us. He lives out his life in us. To walk in his way. And as he does, he's going to use the power of his spirit and the unveiling of his word to illuminate light in our life so that we can see things, Brother Shannon, how God views it. But if I go my way, I'm going to look at things that appeal to me, which are bad. I'm going to look at them as being good. And things that are his way, I'm going to want to I'm going to want to push away from it. It's a battle that we all face. But when I understand that God's word is living and it's alive in me and he wants me to walk with him and he wants to illuminate my life and illuminate my darkness, illuminate my path. David even says that, enlighten my darkness. Oh, God, enlighten what I can't see. Enlighten what I can't see about the path. Enlighten what I can't see about myself. Enlighten me. Because if not, I'm going to, oh, I wish my way was always directed toward your way. I need you to do something supernatural in me. Amen. Amen. 
That's a man dependent on God. That's why he says in Psalm 143, Lord, if you don't speak to me and show me your way, I'm going to be useless on this earth. I'm going to be like a dead man on this earth. I won't have any value to give away because I'm going to keep going my way. And my way has no value in this life. I need your way to be my way. You've commanded it. I'm going to trust in you because if I don't, I'm going to go my own way. He keeps on reading. Notice, this is what happens. Verse 5. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. Have you, you noticed that? When uh, he's simply saying, I, I, I wish my life was at the complete mercy to walk in all that you had for me because when I open up your word and I see what you tell me to do, my life don't line up with me and I'm living in shame. I'm burdened by it. I want to walk with you, but I don't have it in me to walk with you. I got, you got to do something for me to walk in with you. Amen? You, you been there before? When you open up the word and that word grabs you by the heart and you're like, woe is me, why? I'm not living this way. I want to live this way. I try to live this way. I desire to live this way, but I just can't fulfill it. God, you got to do something. And that's just the mercy of his grace. Amen. At work, getting us to that place. Notice, then I would not be ashamed when I looked into all your commandments. I will praise you with the uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. I know I'm a work in progress, but don't leave me by myself. I need you to work in me. Amen? Amen. Notice, he, he, David, under the inspiration of God's Spirit, remember the unfolding of the Word gives light. He's given light to us. He's given light about his own life. When he says this, I will praise you with the uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous statutes, your righteous judgments. See, it's impossible for us to live a lifestyle of praise if we're not living a lifestyle that God is illuminating his, his statutes, his judgments, his ways to us. God's got to constantly be at work in us. That's why Paul in the New Testament would say this, that I've been crucified. With Christ, It is no longer I who live, but the life I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. Paul said that we had to have a sentence of death in ourselves, that we wouldn't trust in ourselves, that God would raise up the dead, that he would raise us up. Why? Because if we're trusting ourselves, if we're not living that crucified life, what's going to happen is we're not going to praise him. We're not going to give him glory. We're not going to honor him. We're going to live with that guilt and that shame because we know that we're not living to what he has, he has called us to live. Amen. And that's all of us. That's just where we are. There's nobody in here to say they can. Have any of y'all arrived to a place where you're walking in absolute perfection, that you have no, no shame or no guilt, none of those things. Man, we just don't want our guilt to go ungraced. We don't want our mess-ups to mess us up. We want God to do a work in us. And this is just that humble servant saying, Lord, you, you want a broken and contrite spirit to, in me. And God was doing that in him. That's what, this is the picture of a broken and contrite spirit. That is a man who's depleted of himself. He can't do it. He can't walk in it. He's depleted, but he needs God to fill him up. Amen. He needs God to do something in him. Wow. 
He goes on to say in verse 9, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not what? See, the unfolding or the entrance of his word gives light. Look in Psalm 18. Psalm 18, verse number 28, I believe it is. What does it say? I need you to light my candle, Lord, for you will light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my what? My dark. Oh, how we need him to lighten our darkness. Amen. Amen. He will enlighten my darkness. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. When God lights the lamp, the scriptures give us indication he does that by his presence in our life. And by the presence of his living word in our life. Notice what Psalm 36 says. 36, 9, I think it is. Thirty-six nine says, For with you is the fountain or the source of life. In your light, we see light. In your presence, we see the light of your way. In your light, we see light. You see, not all light is equal, just like not all love is equal, just like all wisdom is not equal. Scripture says there's an earthly wisdom and there's a heavenly wisdom. An earthly wisdom is filled with self-centered things. It's envious, it's jealous, but a heavenly wisdom is first pure, first clean. And you see, you, you can't, you, 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 if, if your darkness is dark, that means your wisdom will be dark. It won't be, it won't be pure, it won't be clean. And that's where we go back to this idea of having the light of the revelation of God in us, the living and abiding in His presence, the light of the law of the Lord working in us so that we can actually see light, so that we don't call darkness light, but that we call light light. We can see light. And we can't see that outside of God at work in us. Him living in us and His truth in us. So we live in a society for, I've just, I don't know if y'all been paying much attention, but that, they are, they're doing everything they can to make these, what they refer to as alternative lifestyles, acceptable by everybody. Yeah. And it's not that we can't tolerate people. It's not that we can't love them because we do, and Jesus teaches us to love them. But they, they don't feel love when we manifest that we believe their love is a tainted love, that, it, that it's an unnatural love, that it's not... Uh, love that is illuminated by light 
And then they question us because they, they question the authority of the Word of God. They'll say things like this, for an example, that when Paul wrote Romans chapter 1 or when Paul wrote other places or when the men of Israel wrote in the Older Testament, wherever it is, they had a limited understanding of the nature of men. And Paul didn't understand what genuine love from homosexuals was like, so that's why he wrote against it, because he couldn't understand that. Well, if that was the case simply with Paul, and Paul wasn't inspired by God, I could, I could possibly take that. But I believe the Word of God is the Word of God. And I don't think he was limited by Paul's understanding of humanity when Paul penned the Word of God. I believe that's God's perspective and how God views things. And while we live in a culture that sees light as dark and darkness as light. Amen. I believe when Paul wrote what he wrote about the condition of the human heart, it wasn't Paul's insight as a human that gave us that. That was the breath of God telling us what he sees and what he delights in and that his love rejoices in truth. It cannot rejoice in wickedness. It cannot rejoice in lies. God does not rejoice in wickedness. Neither does his love, neither does his wisdom. So we see that when people do have a tainted, fallen, corrupted love, it's a result of a dark heart. It's just darkness within. And that's how they filter everything in life. That is somebody that still stands in need of the, of the redeeming work of Jesus in them so that he can continually redeem them from the lies that are in this world. Y'all know he redeemed us to redeem us? Well, if you would not thought about that, but he redeemed us to redeem us. He redeems us to put us in a position so that he can consistently redeem and deliver us from lies we once clung to and held to. We've been redeemed to be redeemed. Matter of fact, even the fact of His coming to receive us again, the Bible says that we're going to be changed. He's coming for salvation. This old body is going to be put off because it still needs to be transformed. Amen? Now what He's done within me, He's promised to do with all of me in a coming day. But you've been redeemed, if you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, to be redeemed. And there are people out there that still need to be redeemed so that they can be redeemed from this darkness and deception and delusion of the lie. That is the condition of those vine dressers. They saw darkness as light, evil as good, wrong as right, and they justified wrongness and didn't give glory to God. That's why they punished the servants. That's why they mocked the prophets. That's why they crucified Jesus. And you know, if we would have been living in that day too, outside of a supernatural work of God, we would have done the same thing they did. Amen. And outside of a unique work of God in us, we would be doing no different than the world we live in, persecuting the people of God. I, I thought wrongly of God's people, persecuted God's people, thought they were foolish and ignorant and dumb and stupid and everything else in my mind until God done a work in me, and he illuminated his light in me, and he unfolded who I was, yeah. who he is, and gave me a new mission in life to live. And I'm no different than David. I need, I can't do it without him. Amen. Amen. 
I'm, I'm prone to wonder just like he was. And I want to walk in it, but I need him at work in my life every day, all day, constantly at work renewing me, refreshing me to be able to walk with him, amen, amen. to help me. And we've got to just realize in our society today that, look, we can be a tool to help people. We can help people. And the reason why people treat you the way they treat you and the reason they treat us the way they treat us is, is don't take it personal. They've they got darkness in them. And the reason they value and treasure this, because look back in Matthew real quick. Look back in Matthew 6, 23, and we're going to go. 622, notice the context of this, I believe. Verse 19. Verse 19 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure where? On earth, moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up yourselves treasures where? In heaven, that's simply saying we need a shift in mindset. The difference between being earthly minded and heavenly minded. Now he's fixing to illustrate that it's impossible to have the shift from being heavenly minded or being earthly minded if all you have in you is darkness. See, darkness is earthly minded. Light is being heavenly minded. He goes on to say, verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Then he says, the lamp of the body is going into dealing with the heart now. The eye, how we see things, is just a revelation of the heart. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now notice verse 24. No one can serve who? For either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve what? God and mammon, treasures, money. Now notice how... He put in between there the issue with the eye and the condition of the heart between laying up treasures in heaven or laying up treasures on earth. Mammon or serving God. You cannot treasure the things of God if your heart be dark. If the light that you have, that you treasure the things on the earth, that's what he was saying. You treasure things on the earth because you, the light you have says to treasure those things. How great is the darkness that is within you because you have no heavenly mindset. When God does a work of light in you, it shifts you from being earthly minded to heavenly minded. And serving money and treasures and where your heart is is no longer in the things or the elements of the earth that are going to waste away. They become an eternal thing. They become in things that last and won't fail. And that's the point he's making. And what we have to look at, the people we work with, serve with, or around in the communities, the things we hear on the news, the things we read in the newspapers, online, we deal in a world that's either full of darkness or full of light. And those that are full of light will manifest the things of heaven. It'll be heavenly minded 
It'll bring glory to Jesus. It's going to honor Him. It's going to bless the saints of God. It's going to encourage them. It's going to strengthen them. But the things of the earth will be all temporal, self-centered things that are all about get what you can, can what you get, and sit on the can because this is the best you're ever going to get is in this life right here. And that's a lie. And they approach that with their wisdom. They approach that with their love. They approach that with life. That is all the light they have. They're in darkness. So what we have is a world full of people who need the light of Jesus. And brother, the only people going to bring it to them are those who are heavenly minded. Amen who the light of the revelation of the glory of Jesus already lives within them. So we don't get offended by them. We understand where they're at. We understand why they do what they do. We understand why they think their love is, is a legitimate love. We understand why they treasure what they treasure because they are in darkness. And the light that they possess is dark. That's all they know. That's all they have. That's all they live for. God sent us in the midst of them, planted us in the midst of trees of righteousness to have an effect on them. Amen? Amen. And that means that sometimes we're going to be persecuted. That means sometimes we're going to be mocked. That means sometimes we're going to be laughed at. Because we're so outdated and we haven't lived up to the times and nobody puts up with that stuff anymore. All through Bible freaks and Bible days and all that kind of stuff. That was for a time gone past. Our atmosphere, our culture's changed and it is acceptable ways of thinking, living, whatever you want to call it. And you are the ones who are causing problems for everybody else. Look, that's just the darkness in them. Yeah. Keep loving on them. Keep laying your life down the Show them what the light looks like when it lives within you. And let your love be patient. Let it be kind. Let it suffer long. Let it rejoice in the truth and not rejoice in the wickedness or the iniquity. And you love them and you lead them and you bless them and you pray for them. But you don't let them dictate how you live. You let Jesus lead you. Amen? Amen. Amen. And he'll, he'll, he'll bless it. Why? If they killed the prophets and they killed the son, you can expect they're going to they're gonna kill some of us too. It's just inevitable. And if they're not necessarily kill us, they're going to try to silence us or they're going to try to kill us. Just love on them. Just lead them. Show, them. show them the way that Jesus has for them. And be willing to admit that, hey, I don't always walk in everything that he has for me, but I'm walking with bald righteousness. My righteousness is not my own, it's his. And I'm going to trust him with my life. Amen? Amen? So the vineyard, he expects it to produce a harvest. He expects to get the glory for the harvest. And he don't want foreign grapes or wild grapes growing in the midst of the vineyard. We want to stay pure and clean and looking to him. Amen? Amen? And ask him to help us. Now I know not all the time we stay pure. We let things defile us in this old world. But no different when Jesus told Peter. He said, Peter, you already been bathed. You clean. You just need them old feet you got washed. You've been walking through this world. You got dust on your feet. You, you've been contaminated. Your feet's been 
contaminated. They're dirty. You need me to fellowship and wash your feet to serve you so that you can stay clean and walking with me. Amen? You know, once he does a work in you, you, that work's done. You're clean. You just need your feet clean to stay in fellowship walking with him. Amen? Amen. He need to serve you. And he does that through his people serving us. So, anybody have any questions? I just encourage you to chase the light. Amen? Chase the light. David said this in Psalm 43. Send out your light and let them lead me to you. Send out your light. Let them lead me to your altar. Let them lead me to your tabernacle. We always ought to be praying, Lord, send forth the light. Chasing the light. Seeking the light. Because his light is going to illuminate our darkness. You still got some darkness about you now. You still see some things darkly. We just need his light to shine upon it. So that the darkness will flee. So that we can give praise and glory to him. Amen. 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 Father, we thank you. We bless you. We ask for your help with these things because we are uh, desperately needy. And we pray that we would recognize uh, these things. That when, when people share things with us and they share with us about love and that, that their, their love is genuine and authentic and that it may be from a perspective of darkness, but it may not be, have its origins in you. And that's what we want. We, we want our wisdom to be from you. We want our love to be from you. We want our faith to be from you. We want our light to be from you. We want you to illuminate all our life. We're thankful and grateful that you could help us with these things and that we would be those, those holy nation who takes the role of the vine dressers uh, seriously. And that we would return the glory and the harvest and the reward to you. We praise you now in Jesus' name and thank you. Amen. Amen.